Be'ezus Hashem Yisbarech. We will continue in Simon Yud Aleph, the eleventh letter of the Geras HaKodesh, the holy letters of the Balatanya, which is known as Laskil Chabina, to enlighten you with understanding. So we are going very deep into the idea of enlightenment, which is a fascinating journey <clears throat> into the depth of what means enlightenment. And we have explained that the Balatanya is laying down the whole meaning of enlightenment in one sentence, which is that being attached to your own desires by having hopes of fulfilling the desires of your flesh, your selfish desires, that by, not by that path will the light of your soul, the light of God dwell in your body. And we've explained in a very fascinating way that if you could drop your attachments, if you could drop your desires, if you could drop your imaginary sense of self, your imaginary hopes of fulfilling yourself, your own egoic needs, your own way of trying to find fulfillment, if you could drop that, then instantly you get an enlightenment. The other thing, what happens then? Your soul becomes deeply into your body. Then you're fully alive, and then you began to meet your purpose in this world. And we are saying that in order to understand this, we need to go very deep into the wedding that you have, or that you're going to have, or that you had. Because if you could understand the wedding, if you could understand marriage, then you understand your purpose in this world. You understand your mission in this world. Because your mission in this world, your own micro-marriage, micro your own little marriage, is little because it is really a metaphor. It is a story. It is what's really going on with you and Hashem. A man and woman becoming together to become one unit is really the story of Hashem and the Jewish people becoming one unit. In your private life, in your miniature life, you might be the man, you might be the woman, and you're becoming one with the other. But in the collective, in the cosmic, in the gigantic, in the macro, in the story of the whole world, there's Hashem, who's the man, the giver, the soul of this, all the souls, the life of all the life, and then there's you, the human, which Hashem chose at Matan Torah to be his kala, to be his queen, to be his bride. And that marriage, that union, came about during Matan Torah, which is the holiday we're going to celebrate in a few days. And if we can understand what happened in Matan Torah, we can understand what happens in our own marriage. And if we could reflect back on our own marriage, we could see what happened in Matan Torah. 
And if we could look at both of them together, we could begin to understand the purpose of this world. And if we begin to understand the purpose of the world, that's the beginning of enlightenment. And so we are learning about this idea that Amat and Torah, something far more profound happened than what happened at Kriyas Yamsuf. In Kriyas Yamsuf, all the seas of the world split, all the heavens opened up. Sea is, the sea is what you cannot see with your eyes. The sea is the heavens, the future. The Yidin are coming out of so much suffering, so much, so much pain, after becoming, tasting the taste of freedom, they got the Kriyas Yamsuf and they discovered that far beyond freedom, there's something called their soul. And the soul is deep inside them. And how did they discover what their soul was? Because they saw the kingdom of souls. They saw the world of souls. They saw the heaven. They saw where all the souls go after you die, and they saw where all the souls come from before you're born. And that's called the future, the real future. And they saw the delight and the glory of all the heavens, not only physical heavens, galaxies and, and the blueness of the sky, but also the spiritual heavens, things that we cannot grasp. But Amat and Torah, something far more profound happened. When Hashem said, Hashem when God said, I am the Lord your God, at that moment, we didn't go to heaven. Heaven came down to earth. God in all of His glory, with all of the heavens, with what we say every day in Psukhi de Zimra, all of the spiritual animals, All of the spiritual animals, where we say right before Kriyashma every single day, all of the spiritual animals came down into this world. And at that moment we saw the life force, the soul of everything in this world. And when we saw the soul and the life force of everything in this world, the meaning of life became clear. Everything became clear. Now what does this mean that the spiritual animals came down? What are we talking about? And if you look very carefully in Psukhi de Zimra, it's a very encouraged thing to do, to look at the translation of Psukhi de Zimra. Most importantly, the few pages right before Kriyashma, you will see that the, the davening is describing animals having tremendous passion and love for God until they want to expire. They want to go out of themselves. Meaning they want to stop being spiritual animals, whatever that means, and they want to become one with God. They're serving God. They're feeling God. They have awe and fear and love to God. That's what these spiritual animals are. Now what does this have to do with Matan Torah? And what does this have to do with me? And why do I read this every single day before I get to Kriyashma? The reason we read this every day before we get to Kriyashma is because Kriyashma is my enactment of my chuppah. Which chuppah? My chuppah that I had at Matan Torah with the Abishter. The Jewish people with God. It also is a reenactment. It is the story of my own marriage. 
And for that, we are going very deep into what happened in Matan Torah. When Hashem came down into this world and the whole entire world screamed, Anoichi Hashem Alikecha. At that moment, everyone's eyes opened up spiritually, psychologically, physically, and they saw the soul of this world. When it says that all the heavens came into this world, for one moment in time, they saw something magical. They saw that this world is divided into four levels. Things that only have a body, things that have a body and they also grow, Things that have a body, they also grow and they also have feelings and will and a want, the desires. And then they saw the fourth level, which is things that have a body, they grow, they have feelings and wants, but they also have intellect. Intellect means intelligence. And these four levels are four levels of how the soul, your own soul, your godliness, your spirituality, your life force comes into this world. And instantly, for one second of time, and you must imagine this and try to meditate on this as much as possible, they, for instantly, one moment in time, they saw that there's four different types of energy in this world. Four different types of life, four different types of energy, four different types of soul, four different types of godliness. And everybody sees this every single day, but they're not aware of it. And that's why this is a tremendous meditation. They saw that the first level of godliness in this world, the godliness, the energy, the life force is totally covered up. It's furniture. It's immovable. You're sitting on a chair now. You have to try to imagine this and see this in your own eyes. You're sitting on a chair right now. You're sitting, you're, you're, Ms. Robbie, you have a table near you. You see a microwave. You see a computer. You see a room. You see tables. You see spoons. You see cups. Whatever you see, most of what you see is inanimate. It does not move. It does not grow. It doesn't go up. And it doesn't move. Unless you move it, it will sit there. It sustains you. It holds you. It's your house. That's the first thing that they saw. Where is God over there? You do not see it. It's an object. The object does not grow. There's no life. And the object does not move around. There's nothing going on. What's its connection to the creator of the world? The creator of the world created it. It's an object. It sits there. It is known as the world, the mineral world. There's no life over there. So when Hashem said, they discovered that even that is part of God. But they discovered it, why? Because they saw the life force in the mineral, the life force in your objects, in everything around you that does not move or does not grow. The life force is missing. That's what they discovered. They saw that even that was created by God, but they saw that that is the first thing of this world, the first the foundation, when you walk to your car, when you walk outside, you're walking on objects, you're walking on the ground, you're walking on karka, you're walking on this earth, planet earth, where you make your home, where you make your ground, where you walk, you walk on something that holds you, but it has no vitality, there's no life force in it. But then, you, there's a second kingdom, there's a second world, which is a world of bodies also, but it's bodies that internally it's growing. It's going up 
Internally, there's movement. It grows, it grows, it moves. But it cannot move around. It cannot see anybody else. It just grows up and has its function. Either it's a fruit, a vegetable, something you're going to eat. Grass for an animal, for you. You can make a salad out of it. You can have a good fruit. You're going to make a good drink out of it. Maybe wine. But it it goes up. It has its function. But its life force means that it could just grow. It's different than objects. It's objects that grow. That means internally there's a life force inside them. There's a spirituality. There's a godliness inside of it. But that godliness is also hidden because it's just growing. Internally, inside it's growing. Outside, it's not moving anywhere. Then they discovered at that moment of Matatayra, at one moment in time, you have to see this. We're just talking about it at length, but it's a tremendous meditation because you need to be able to understand this. The next thing that they saw was that there was animal. Animal is the ability... Not only to have growth, but also to move around. Animals see each other. Animals are the first type of creation that have feelings, that have experience. They experience things. They have wants. Want, experience, feeling, passion. All of those things is animals. Animals are more than growing. They don't just grow. They now have a goal. What's the mission of the animal kingdom? It's extremely important to see this. The animal kingdom runs around the whole entire day. They, they, they propagate. They make more of themselves. A, a, a male animal and a female animal will come together and make more. And animals in the animal kingdom go and they're selfish. They have desires. And they live their whole life, which is a very, when we look at it, it's a very petty life. With no intelligence. They have zero intelligence. They see each other. They try to make more of each other. They kill each other. They take from each other, they protect, they have a want. What is the mission? One little mission. They want to want. That's all they do. They want to conquer, they want to kill, they want to make more, to eat, to grow, to make more, and that's it. It ends over there. And then there is the human kingdom, the intelligent kingdom. The intelligence is the the highest kingdom that there is. Because you are above your animal. Ultimately speaking, you have all three. You have an object in you, you have a part in you that's... You have a part of you that you're sleeping, you're sleeping a big part of your day, there's no movement. You might be slightly alive, but it's, it's similar to your object. Then there's you're by yourself, you're developing yourself. Then you're interacting with people most of the day. That's your relationships. You're going to business, you're interacting with your family, you're interacting the whole entire day, your passions, what do you want? What's your hopes? What's your dreams? Those are your passions, those are your animals. Your lust, it's in your heart. But then there's your brain, your brain is your intelligence. It's your ability to rise above your passions. You're above your addictions. It's your ability to choose intelligently. To choose to either be an animal, or to be something more than an animal. To transcend your animal. To be selfish, to use your spouse, to use somebody else, to take advantage of them, to, to, to conquer them, to build yourself, to build your ego, which your ego is your animal, or to transcend, to go above your animal, to choose to be human, to choose to be intelligent, to choose to have intelligence, to choose to rise above your animal, to give meaning to my animal. When I give meaning to my animal, my animal becomes, it goes out of being an animal. I sacrifice my animal. I transformed my animal. I went out of being selfish. They're selfish and they're selfless. The ability to be selfless is not a, it does not exist in the animal kingdom. 
does not exist in the animal kingdom, in the outside of your heart, for your passions, your, the idea of conquering, of seeing another person with your eyes, from an animalistic perspective, it's what you could make yourself bigger. Build your logo, build yourself. The human being, the, the Jew, has all these four levels. And it's extremely important to see this. Because the purpose of this whole entire life is to elevate every one of these kingdoms. The mineral should go into the vegetable, and the vegetable should go into the animal, and the animal should go into the human, and the human should go become one with God. That is the purpose of this world. To elevate every one of these kingdoms. And the greatest revelation of chasana is, the greatest revelation of marriage is, that two human beings become one to transcend the animal. I'm not marrying you so for animalistic purposes. I'm not marrying you so what you could do for me. But I'm marrying you what I could do for you. Because if I'm marrying you what you could do for me, that's still the animal kingdom. The animals also get married. But it's a selfish propagation. It's a selfish story. But the human being, when the Jew gets married, they're marrying for what they could give. How I could use my animal to serve you, to give you. Yes, I have feelings. Yes, I have passions. Yes, I have wants. Yes, I have a will. Yes, I have covered. I have a separate sense of self. I want you to respect me. I want you to, to, to see my sense of myself. I want you to see what I bring to the table. You know why? Because I want to give that to you. I want you, to, I want you right? Husband and wife. I'm a chabadis to respect your wife more than you respect your own body. And a wife has to respect a man like he's the king. Why? So he could hold on to that? So he can make himself a logo, so he could live off after that one moment, or so he could contain, contain the, so he could create the ring of love. Because if you respect me, and if you value me, and if you show me, ultimately speaking, I want to give that back to you. I want to be separate from you, so I can become one with you. Which is the transcendence of man. Which is the idea of what man is similar to God. To transcend my animal to become human, my intellect. To choose to be either an animal or to be human. The animal kingdom does not have that choice. And we make that choice at Matan We make that choice when we understand the purpose of our life. We make that choice during our marriage. So there's the animal, and then there's the meaning of my animal. The meaning is your intelligence. Understanding the sheer is your intelligence. The talking to each other is the communication, your intelligence. If you just go down into your animal, the intelligence is brought down into the animal. I'm talking to people to try to build my logo. I'm getting married so I could try to build my sense of self, so I can have one moment of time, something that I call love. Is that love? Or is that attachment? Attachment to my animal. The life of the flesh, what the Balatanya calls over here. Chayim Besarim. Is my life a life of the flesh? Am I pursuing my flesh? Is my children something that's going to fulfill me? Is my marriage something that's going to fulfill me? Is that, what I'm, is that what I'm doing with my marriage? Am I having a non-Jewish marriage? Am I having a marriage that is not divine? That is not something other than self? Then I'm in the animal kingdom. But if at the moment of my chuppah I understand that all of this led up, For me to sacrifice my animal, 
But not sacrifice it by lose it. But sacrifice by elevate it. By bring the godliness into it. By bring the infinity into it. By splitting the sea. By going so much more deeper than the petty. What I can get. But what I can give. The infinity of what I can give to another person. The magic of what I can give love that's unattached. That my spouse could betray me. That I could look to me on an external level. But that I love her to the point... That just like I say, if that person would get sick during the Sheva Brachas, I would sit the 18 hours a day, and I could understand this idea, and I would be non-reactive my whole entire life. Because my life was not what she could give me. Like the Balatani is going to say later on, it is, Hain v'lav shavin etzloi. He's not looking for a moment of what he could get. It's what he could give. If he gets, it's wonderful, because there's more unity. But ultimately speaking, his goal is to unite with somebody else, that he could transcend his animal, that his animal could be uplifted to the space of human, which is the real consciousness, which is where he's really similar to God, where he could really split the sea, where he could live a life that's enlightened, a miraculous life, a life with meaning, a life with true joy, not joy that's attached, not joy that's trapped, not joy that's building his animal for one moment, that's giving him one moment of selfish pleasure, where he's bringing down the soul of his consciousness deep into the animal, because he's trying to get fulfilled. So if we go very deep into the chasana, if we go very deep into what happened, we will see that all the four kingdoms experienced themselves during chasana. You have a boy and a girl. They lived in their parents' home for many years. They developed a sense of self. Parents are doing for them. The schools, their friends, they're building themselves of self. Insecurities, securities, vulnerabilities, hopes, aspirations. And then one day the boy and girl are told that they're going to marry. They're going to be there to give themselves for another person. And what are they bringing to the table on the day of the wedding? They're bringing their personality. Their personality is their passions, their feelings, their hopes for a great experience. But what do they discover at the moment of their chuppah? They, they walk into a room where the room is packed with furniture. A lot of money went into this materiality, which is this the story of the world, the first kingdom they see is tables and chairs and a beautiful hall and coverings, things that covered up all over. And it's beautiful, and that is the mineral kingdom. And they also see a lot of food, which is the vegetable kingdom. They see salad and they see flowers, they see all of this vegetable kingdom. And they're going to soon sit down to eat. A lot of it's going to be vegetables and also it's going to be animals. Because they see, all, they see all this idea, a big part of the wedding is the food, is the animals that we're going to eat. Where does that food go? Does that go to my head? Originally, it goes in through the mouth, but where does it go to? It goes into my animal, it builds my animal. All the food, whether it's vegetables that contain minerals, or actual meat that you're going to eat by the wedding, and wine. All of this goes into my animal. And with my animal, I'm going to have all this joy by the wedding. But a real chasen and kala, what are they doing on their wedding? Do they really partake in that meal? Can you see this with your mind's eye? Let's go deep into what happens by a wedding, whether you're aware of this or not. Everything is one big lead up to this chuppah. When a boy and a girl are going to stand together under a canopy, which is held up by four sticks, which is also like a similar to a home which is inanimate. And they're all going to bring everything to the table, everything for this one moment. They're going to be standing rooted over there. 
And they're going to read those brachas. They're going to make a meaning, an intelligence, a meaning of what I'm about to do. And each one, the boy and the girl, have their eyes closed. Why? Because their intelligence is shining. Their soul and their brain is shining. What makes them not animal, human. What makes them rise above even being human. And they, allure, they understand at this moment, they become connected in body and soul. And it's a very serious moment. It's a tense moment. It doesn't last too long. But it's that moment, you become one. And you're deeply in regret for the past. And you're forgiven for your sins. And you understand that you're taking that person to love. And at that moment, there's love. At that moment, the person who gets sick or the person who's reactive, you say, what are you talking about? If you would ask that person at that moment, you would stop the chuppah and you would say, if this and this would happen, what are you talking about? Everything's blasted to smithereens. At that moment, the tension, the energy, the love, the unity, the oneness that happens at that moment, it's indescribable because you discover at the core your one soul. It took you so many years to come together. Your one soul, you're inseparable. And when a person realizes that, they, become, they understand that they're inseparable. And it's the meaning of my life, not the feelings of my life, not the experience of my life. It's the meaning of my life. What's the meaning of my life? The meaning of my life is that me and my spouse are one. And at that moment, you brought everything to the table. You brought your whole self, your passions, your personality, your hopes. What happened to your passion? What happened to your joy? What happened to the tremendous animal kingdom that there is? What happened to this joy of this wedding? Beautiful clothing, beautiful hopes. Is anyone thinking about the limousine at that moment? Can you see what? Is anyone thinking about? Is Hassan and Kala? Are they? They didn't eat the whole day. Are they going to go eat now? When when, when the chup is over, are they going to go? Are they are they going to feel that food? What happened to their passion? What happened to the animals? What happened? Did you ever think about this? What happened to all the passion that they have? If you're completing me, if you're building my ego, my logo, if you're building me, why is there such tension? Because the joy of being one is surpasses. It eliminates every single thing that there is in this world. Are they busy eating? Are they busy focusing? They spent all this time, invitations, and all these things that they're doing. But are they busy doing that during their wedding? Or is the, is the mineral, the vegetable, the animal, and the human, is it not all being sublimed? Is it not all being elevated to becoming one with God? Is that not a story of me and God? That what happened in Matantayra, that I discovered that I'm one with God. I'm much more than my animal. So I discovered my animal at the moment of my wedding, the moment of, 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 of Matan Teda, because I discovered all the animals of the world. You understand? Now we understand why before Krishna we read about the animals. Because we discovered the sense of self. The moment of Yichupa you discover your sense of self also. But you're becoming one with another person. What am I doing with myself? What am I doing with my animal? Am I choosing to be animal or am I choosing to be human? Am I choosing to be... Created in the divine image, which means that I transcend my animal. I'm giving my animal to you. Not sacrifice because it's hard. Because I love doing that. I want to give you. Because I want to create love. Love that's not attached. Which love that's not attached is life. Which is not about me at all. It's about choosing to be above the animal. To give up the animal. To give the animal. The infinity of the animal. So that's what it means at the moment of Matan all the animals came down. The Srafim, the Ifanim, everything what we say before Krishna. Because the passion... The passion is dear, but it's being given to another person. I'm giving everything to my other person. And that's why the whole entire wedding, everybody else is having joy. We're all uniting our animals. The animal that we have in us is experiencing true joy. 
because we're uplifting and we're elevating the doimim, the tzimeach, the chayim, the the mineral, the vegetable, and the animal, primarily the animal, my will, my covet. Shahakal baral we say the bracha, shahakal baral, my sense of covet, my sense of self, my wants, my passions is all there so I can give it to you. That is the purpose of life, and that is the purpose of Matan Torah, and that means Yishkan Hashem. So there's Chayim Besarim, there's my animal life, and there's Yishkan Hashem, and there's my transcendence of my animal life to give that to the Ebishter. When I give that to the Ebishter, it's Yishkan Hashem. Hashem and the Jewish people become one. The presence of God, the light of God, the light of my soul becomes deep in my body. There's a real marriage between the Jewish people and God. But can I have that marriage if I'm running after my selfishness? Nobody in the moment of the chuppah, no matter what they know, was running after their own chayim besarim. And that's what the Balatanya is saying over here, to live with your chuppah every day of your life. You become non-reactive, you're completely enlightened. To live with this idea of matan Torah, you live a meaningful life. You have the Torah, you have the true sense of the divine blueprint of my marriage with God. And that is the purpose of a person's life. That's Yishkin Hashem.